On today's episode of the Clinical Excellence Podcast, we have Dr. Charles Martinez talking about decades of medicine in Chicago. You know, I started before there was CAT scanning, MRI, ultrasound. So I used to tell the student, they say, what did you do? And I said, well, uh, we would do a history and physical and an autopsy. <laughs> That's not a nice thing to say, but <laughs> it's a little exaggeration. We're back with another episode of the Clinical Excellence Podcast, sponsored by the Buxbaum Institute. On this podcast, we speak to patients and doctors about all aspects of excellence in clinical medicine. I am Adam Seafew, and today I'm joined by Dr. Charles Martinez. Dr. Martinez has had a long and successful career in medicine in Chicago. After graduating from St. Louis University Medical School in 1961, he completed his internship at Rush Presbyterian St. Luke's Medical Center, Chicago, and residencies in internal medicine and nuclear medicine at the Heinz VA. He served as director of the Division of Nuclear Medicine at Lutheran General Hospital in Park Ridge from 1984 to 2002. Dr. Martinez is also the medical director and one of the founders of the old Irving Park Community Clinic. Charlie is also the author of Under the L, a chronicle of growing up in the near north side of Chicago in the 1930s, 1940s, and 1950s. I've just finished it and loved it. I can definitely recommend it. It's a memoir and an oral history of kind of growing up and, I got to say, surviving. (laughs) Uh, So, Dr. Martinez, thank you so much for taking time out of your life to be here with me. So I have a couple of questions for you, um, mm-hmm. but first of all, I kind of um, wanted to hear just a little bit about your career. Uh, I, I read you were an English major at Loyola, and like, how did you get from there to the present, I guess? <laughs> well, I actually, the only thing I ever wanted to be was a writer. Okay. Didn't, didn't do much about it. <laughs> uh, and then I went for two years to a place called Quigley, Okay. Have you heard of it? No, I have not. Oh, it's a high school for people who are going to be priests. Okay. My mother was Irish, and every Irish mother had to have one of their sons. <laughs> so I went there for two years, flunk Latin both years. <laughs> but anyway, then I, I left. I went to Loyola yep. downtown. Yeah. And I was uh, there a year or so, enjoying it. And then I came out of the building one day, and I saw two or three guys from my class in uh at uh, Quigley. Mm. And they said, um, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm majoring in English. And they went, who <laughs> <laughs> majors in English? Right. They said, why don't you get into pre-med? Huh. I said, for what? They said, you might get into medical school. And I said, okay. That was my total <laughs> involvement to, to be it. a doctor. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So, um, you know, you're definitely not the, you know, I, I feel like I talk to people who, geez, I know since birth, you know, I was meant to be a doctor. But I've certainly heard a lot of people, my father being one of them, who just, you know, sort of decided later in life or it was like, I don't want to say the path of least resistance, but it was like, oh, here's something I can do and I'll probably have a job if I do this. When was it then kind of in your schooling, in your training that you recognize like, wow, you know, this is something I love. This is something I, I want to do. Well, there wasn't a while. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I found out that I could do it pretty easily, yeah. which was bad <laughs> because I didn't study. Right. So, But um, the idea of being involved with patients came very naturally to okay. me. Got it. I had no trouble with that. And uh, 
found out, especially when I set up the clinic, that I had sort of a knack for drawing in all these specialists to to help us, you know. And uh, this one young doctor who came there, to he was an internist who wanted to do some clinical stuff there. He said, you have a different set of... um, the word like would a be. skill set. I yeah, guess, a different right? skill set than, than he had. Yeah, and uh, he, he recognized this, huh. and I didn't at yeah. the time. But that's how it went. Right. And uh, does that answer that question? That did. That, that, that did. Yeah. And when I hear you talk about this, and when I think about you know what the world was kind of like as you were training, I mean, you started at the time where. A hospital was, you know, just a hospital, right? And it wasn't some enormous medical center which was taking over blocks and blocks no, in no. the city, right? No gobbling up stuff. Yeah. No. And also, um, you know, you must have been involved in nuclear medicine kind of at the beginning of the field. Well, that was that was a lot of luck. Okay. See, I call myself the lucky life or the <laughs> incidental life. Yeah. But what happened, I finished my internal medicine. Yeah. That you finish it always in June. Sure. And then there was no boards till like October or okay. November. Okay. So what do you do for three months? I didn't want to go into practice. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So this guy says, well, why don't you hang around the Heinz? Mm. I said, to do what? He said, well, go do nuclear medicine. I said, I don't even know what that is. Yeah, yeah. So I did it, and it turned out the head of nuclear medicine was a guy named Irv Kaplan. Okay. He was a pioneer. Okay. He sort of put, uh, he had a lot, he invented the bone scan. Got it. He had other stuff to do with thyroid. Very nice, pleasant guy. And I said, can I hang around? There was no residencies <laughs> yeah, in that. Yeah, yeah. He says, yeah, okay. So then his buddy at Mount Sinai calls him and says, you know, we did, we want to reopen nuclear medicine. You got anybody you could send over? And he says, I, you know, now that you mentioned it. So he asked me, and I said, I, I only met her a couple of months. I can't right, go right, run right, right, right. And he says, I will come every Saturday with you. Wow. So he came every Saturday for 10 years. Wow. It degenerated into a social thing. Sure, really. sure, sure, sure. But he was fantastic and um, had a good time. Wow. It's amazing. I mean, that's, you know, not only is it luck, but it's it's almost like an apprenticeship you know, situation. Exactly. And also so casual compared to how things are now. <laughs> yeah. And and so tell me then what your practice was like. You know, once you I you know, I guess whatever, finish the internal medicine boards, were you mostly doing internal medicine? Were you mostly doing well, nuclear at medicine at the Sinai, time? I yeah. start hanging around hanging around. Hanging around with the endocrinologist, two okay. of them. Okay. Really smart guys. And so I would make rounds for them and, and yeah. Do internal medicine, yep. and, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, and uh, because there wasn't much to do in nuclear medicine right. at Sinai, just opening it up. But right. Eventually, it got pretty busy. Then uh, one of the endocrinologists went to Lutheran. Okay. To head endocrinology there. And then he called me. He said, "I don't like the guy who's running nuclear medicine." You know, I, there was other things yeah. he said about yeah. it. He says, "Can you come and do it?" And I says, "Well." You know, I had a, it was a nice thing at Sinai. There yeah. was 20 of us in a group, all yeah. internists, yeah. you know, yeah. and I was president. <laughs> That's another story. I don't want to get into that. But anyway, so I decided, okay. But the guy I was replacing was suing the hospital for his job. Wow. And so it dragged for a year, wow. you know, till things calmed down. So then I went there, and then my buddy, this is uh, Don Gordon, he was the endocrinologist, he became head of medicine, mm. Lutheran. And then 
He left there. Okay. About a year after I got there, they went to Loyola and became head of endocrine there. So I stayed for... Got it. So I was 15 years, actually, yeah. at uh, Sinai. Got it. And so it sounds like most of your practice was always, in a way, hospital-based, yes? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even know what an outpatient was. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. And so you were... You were taking care of patients who were hospitalized, and it sounds sounds like probably, you know, interacting, working with their primary doctors from the outside. Is that true? Well, I, I'm trying to get I a used, sense sort of yeah, the system back Yeah, I used to say then. that I, you know, I don't know much about business, but I know how to give service. And yeah. we, I developed it into the busiest nuclear medicine facility in the area huh. and the first outpatient pet, yeah. too. I used to come here and talk to a pet guy. You guys had a pet machine. Yeah. And uh, so it got big, and so I really didn't do any nuclear, any, uh, any internal, internal medicine. medicine. Got it. Then I wanted to volunteer at a place that opened up something like my place, and I went to the head of medicine, and I said, uh, I'd like to volunteer down there. He says, uh, when's the last time you did internal medicine? I said, oh, 10 years ago. <laughs> he says, no. <laughs> then I realized I could have gone anyway. Sure, but. sure. Well, so tell me about the um, Old Irving Park Community Clinic. Like, how did that start up? Well, uh, there was a guy I grew up with who was in the book, yep. although I changed his name. Did you? Okay. <laughs> yes. Well, anyway, he retired. He was a, uh, a counselor, a okay. behavioral health counselor. Got it. But he had a pretty sweet job at the time before he retired. He was a counselor for the electrician's union, which oh, wow. was really nice. Yeah, yeah. So he said, why don't— and then I was retiring. I was 72, and he was like 70, I guess. What year was this? That was in, uh, must have been... This must have been 90s? No, no. It was uh, in 2005 okay. or something. Because okay. uh, I was part-time. I went part-time at Lutheran for a while, and Got then it. I disagreed with the people there and left. <laughs> we don't need to go no. into that. <laughs> <laughs> so then uh, he says, why don't we rent an office? I'll do behavioral health, and you can do medicine. Got it. I said, no, I'm not interested. Then I went to a meeting, St. Louis U, and there was a guy there, what I thought was an old guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had opened up a free clinic down in Sarasota, Florida. Okay, okay. And then I talked to him afterwards. I said, how was it to open a place like that? He said, piece of cake. Mm. And it was, mm. because we didn't know what we're doing. Right, and right. It, it, it eliminates all this tension and sure, anxiety sure. and stuff. It flourished, oh, you know. Interesting. So we opened it up, and now it's... Uh, how many years is it? Sounds like it must be almost 20 years. Well, I think we opened it. I think it's 17. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And um, so not to get too much into the weeds with that, but, you know, you already, I get the feeling, you know, you're quite an operator, right, with people. Um, <laughs> how do you um, how do you support something like that? Sort of, you know, where does Begging. the money come See, yeah. we, we went to Catholic schools and the nuns taught us <laughs> <laughs> That's my partner. I used to say, yeah. no, well, it's, it's all uh, donations yeah. and um, foundations. Sure, sure. And we just have kept it up. Right. And part of what's, I don't want to say easy about it, because I certainly know it's not easy, but um, but not having to deal with the whole like, oh, infrastructure of billing in American hate. medicine. Right? Yes. Right, right. Doctors come there and they say, this is their refuge. Yeah, yeah. They can't, we have no building department, yeah, you know, and, yeah, all that, yeah. and they just can't stand that stuff. Yeah. Well, you know that, yeah. how it is. And who do you care for mostly? What's the patient base kind of like? Well, uh, ethic, not ethically, um, what was that word? Legally? Uh, 
ethnically? Yeah, that's it. Did I say ethnically? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, when we started out, it was about 40% Hispanic, okay. probably 20% uh, Polish, okay. and then this way. Now it's about, what, 60 or 70% Hispanic. Okay. And, uh, and they're all, oh, you know, they can't have insurance. We right, don't right, see right. anybody with insurance. Right. And they don't pay anything. Okay. And so I wandered around to the hospitals, and I got them to offer us five free x-rays a month wow. for three hospitals. Okay, got it. And uh, that worked out well. And then we get, we pay for the lab work, but we do Quest. Okay. And to give you an example how cheap it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for uh, a CBC uh, comp yeah. and... Uh, what else? And drawing the blood. We don't draw blood there. Yeah. And cholesterol. Okay. Well, that's twelve dollars. <laughs> <laughs> they cut you a special deal. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wanted it for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and they claimed they didn't do that, but we knew they were giving this one place free yeah. blood, yeah. Yeah. free you know free lab tests. Testing. But that's pretty good. That is amazing. So we pay for that. Yeah. Got and, it. And uh, and medications. Medications. Well. Ninety percent of our medications, the patients pay themselves four bucks. Okay, right on the four dollars. The expensive ones we get directly Great. from the company. Great. And then how about uh, referrals? I mean, there must be people who need surgery, need specialty referrals. Yeah, well, at physically at the clinic, yeah. we have subspecialists come. Great. GI, there's eight of them. Cardiology, yeah, GI, yeah, yeah, the yeah. whole thing. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, for surgery, we, we usually have to send them to county. Yeah, sure. And uh, then there are specialists on the outside. We'll see them in their in their office for nothing. Great. I have to make a phone call. Sure, sure, sure. And do you have a sense, like, how many people do you, you know, see in a year? How many people are you? Well, a strange thing has happened yeah. since COVID. Yeah. Our patient load has dropped in half. Wow. But how many were, were we seeing? Uh, we were probably seeing several hundred a week. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And we're, we're pretty busy. And it was yeah. fun. And of course, we have no limits. They, they'd come, the doctors come and say, here's what we like. If you can spend um, two days a month is best, two half days a month. Sure. Then you keep track of the patients better. And then um, we don't care if you see one patient for three hours, you know. Yeah. Because you know what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's, it's terrible. Right. And so they love it. Right. That, I was going to say, that's that's where you say it's a refuge for the doctors, yeah. right, to sort of practice the medicine they want to. We, to, we got all these students, and yeah. we have 27, uh, 57, oh, 27 schools mm. sending people to us for PA, medical students, and NPs right. as official rotations. Right, right. We don't take them all at once. Yeah, 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 yeah. But they, you know, it's fun to be around these yeah. guys. No, I mean, it's probably... They do all the scut work. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say, it's probably not only good medicine, but also seeing, you know, practice in this kind of setting must be eye-opening to people. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they're shocked. Yeah. You know, they can't believe it. So you're a young man. So um, what's next for you? Sort of what do you see as like... And now? Your, yeah, absolutely. I'm a young man. <laughs> I'm 89. Uh well, uh, I, I guess I have to retire at some point. <laughs> retire I, for a second time, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I've got, you know, I used to golf. Yeah. Not very good. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I got my writing, yeah. which I still do yeah. quite a bit. And then um, that's it. Then you're waiting around for the 
yeah. big opening in yeah. the sky. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. No, but you're, it sounds like you're happy sort of doing the clinical work and continue oh, yeah. to do that. I always enjoy it. Yeah. That's wonderful. I enjoy, you know, talking to patients. Yeah. And they're so thankful sure. for what we're doing. Sure. I remember this one lady I saw, she was about 40 something. And I mean, the student was ready to walk out after we finished. She says, Can I say something? And uh, I said, Yeah. She says, I'm so thankful that you talked to me and examined me completely. And yeah. all Not, nobody ever did that before. <laughs> you know, you wonder what's going on. Yeah, it's wonderful. Uh, have you guys been affected by the, you know, more recent influx of, um, you know, of all the, of all the migrants, migrants coming in? Well, we- I did see some migrants across from a police station. Okay. And then they got dispersed. Okay. So yeah. now a church close by is turning their old school and another building into a migrant shelter. Okay. And I've been in contact with them that, right. that will I'll come there with people like that yeah. uh, and then some med students and stuff. But they're, they're fixing the place up, so okay. it's dragging. Yeah, sure, sure. Oh, that's good to hear. We, we've certainly been uh, experiencing that, mostly in our emergency room, which is difficult yeah. because it ends up being emergency care and you're yeah. like, what comes next? Yeah. Um, and uh, it, it is absolutely a challenge. Um, so, Dr. Martinez, again, I wanted to thank you for your time. It's really interesting. It's great for me as as someone who's only been in the city for, whatever, 26 years and feel like I know Chicago well to talk to you and hear hear more about it with a, a, longer, a longer vision of the place. Is this it? We can talk about anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What else do you want to say? Well, uh, there's a couple things. Going... Going to, I'm one of 11 kids. Yeah, okay. And uh, there's no medical stuff in my family. So I have had a lot of unusual jobs in my, as I go through medical school. As a senior student, I invented myself as an ER physician. (laughs) Got another six guys. We went to the small hospital and ran the ER. Okay. (laughs) Because at that time, it didn't, you didn't have to have a doctor in a hospital. Then Missouri passed a law. You had to have a doctor 24 hours a day. Then when I was in residency, I became a coroner's physician. And that was an interesting job. What did that mean? What what were you doing? Well, you see, there's so many dead bodies that they didn't want to hire a lot of pathologists. So if you could go and get a decent history and and feel comfortable signing the death certificate. That was an exciting job. So you would talk to relatives, friends, yeah. whoever was around to try to piece together what had yeah, happened. Yeah, a lot of suicides, yeah. a lot of—I don't say I liked it, <laughs> but it was a different side. And then I worked for a year. Remember Dunning? Yep, yep. I worked for a year there thinking right out of residency. You know, we were all drafted. Were you drafted? No, no. I was after that. Oh, yeah. So I was two years in. Okay. Did you ever hear the Battle of Long Beach, California? No, no. <laughs> there wasn't one. <laughs> but you fought in it. Yeah, I, I was there for two years. I lucked out. I could have gone to Vietnam or yeah, something. You yeah. know? And then uh, all kinds of jobs like that. I, I, I'm, I'm making a note because it sounds like, you know, you've, you're an internal medicine physician at a time that there were internal medicine physicians. You're an ER doctor before there were really ER well, the doctors. Reader. Well, the other six guys were surgeons who took the other days, okay. and I was the only internist. It's funny. In my um, When I trained, it was just when we were beginning to have you know, board-certified ER doctors. Mm-hmm. 
but we had a, a surgical side of the emergency room, a medical side of the emergency room, the triage nurse would decide where you'd go. And there was essentially a possession arrow for abdominal pain. So it would alternate back oh, yeah. and forth. Um, so you got to see everything. Um, you were nuclear medicine at the beginning of nuclear medicine. And then I'm going to call you a, a forensic interviewer as a field, which which I think only existed what under you. That? That's what you were doing, figuring out what to put on a death certificate without oh, any inf- extra information. Um, I love but it. you know, the big thing you learned when you got into the free clinic yeah, yeah. is how it is not to have insurance. Hmm. I'll give you one bad example. Sure. This 25-year-old woman came, ulcerative colitis, bleeding, and we had a GI guy then, and uh, we still have him. And so uh, he, we got Yumira, and he said, I can take her to the hospital. I just Resurrection yeah. Hospital, just, yeah. because uh, my patient was the nun who was president, and she would do anything for me. So that's kind of so. He takes her there. She immediately has a reaction to your mirror. Oh my God! So she calls me. She says, "What should I do?" I says, "Well, you know, should I tell you? Yeah. <laughs> Go to the University of Chicago. They're big on GI." So <laughs> she calls me a week later. She says, "Well, I went there, and they said I wasn't sick enough to be admitted." And they gave me a card to see the GI doctor for $600. (laughs) And she was a student part-time worker. And I said, well, one thing you can do is you can go back there and throw yourself. You'll collapse. Wait a week until you're sicker, then (laughs) go back. (laughs) Well, she didn't. She went to Rush, and they did a total colectomy. Oh, my God. This is what happens when you don't have insurance. Yeah, yeah. Don't you feel like that's... I always feel like that's one of the gifts of medicine, right? That because you work with people who you would never sort of meet in your regular life, right? right? You get such a sense of what life is like in any profession, any job that people have, and right, what it's like living with a billion dollars or $10, right? Um, And I feel like most of our social circles are so limited, um, that it's really wonderful to have that experience with people. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. I always like to use the word fun. Yeah. <laughs> you're not having fun. What is the point? Right, yeah. right, right. Now, looking at you, you clearly are someone who's enjoyed, you know, not only what the career has given you, but kind of what life has given you. You know, I started before there was CAT scanning, MRI, yeah, yeah. ultrasound. Yeah. So I used to tell the student, they say, what did you do? And I said, well... Uh, we would do a history and physical and an autopsy. <laughs> That's not a nice thing to say. <laughs> it's a little exaggeration. You admit that the physical exam is not a perfect tool and that you were doing right. a lot of guessing. Um, yeah, but I, I, I still push the history and physical. I said yeah. medicine is 90% yeah. history. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. Um, so we, we get people, the terrible thing is happening in medicine, the timing. Mm. What was this one one student was telling us that uh, no a nurse it was that a corporation bought the hospital and they put up clocks on the outside of the door and you had to hit that as a nurse when you're going in and hit it when you come out so the nurses figure out how to how to beat it yeah. they they hit it going in and then they, and if they left they had like a nurse's aide if she's staying doing something they hit it when she leaves so it looks like they're putting in more time. Or something out. It yeah. was one time we had nurse practitioner student on official rotation, and she told me she got a call, and they have to keep a log. Hmm. Got a call from one of the administrators asking why she was spending so much time with the patients. <laughs> that's 
it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You must hear this all the time. Oh, no, there's no question about it. That's what you're getting into. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm at the I'm at the other side. I'm at the end as well. Not quite as far. Uh, I'm going to do the wrap up here. Um, okay. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Clinical Excellence Podcast. We are sponsored by the Buxbaum Institute for Clinical Excellence at the University of Chicago. Please feel free to reach out to us with your thoughts and ideas via the Buxbaum Institute webpage or on X, otherwise known as Twitter. <laughs> the music for the Clinical Excellence Podcast is courtesy of Dr. Malin Martinez. Mm-hmm.